Welcome to the In the News Show. My name is Judy Desagatis, and I'm here with my co-host, Father Bill Weary. How are you, Father Bill? Very well. Hello, everybody. Thanks for listening in. I um, also want to thank Joe Nebistinsky for our technical assistance and David Hillowitz for our theme music. So uh, I like this article here that I saw in LifeSite News. The article is about, in Thanksgiving, let's remember to use our gifts to serve God and others. And it's about a tale of two men that got to know each other just from one man walking into a diner and seeing this other young gentleman gentleman and he was working at the place. It's kind of like just one of these stories about this young man had a difficult life. He was being raised by his paternal grandmother. He's often spent time at the diner because his grandmother had no one to watch him. He was born blind. He had cerebral palsy and a host of other medical issues. And the interesting thing about this and talk about how life is, you know, God is in control of life. While his mother was pregnant with him, she died in a car accident. His name is H.K. Derryberry. And he was born three months early. So he was a two pound baby and he did survive and he defied the odds. Then he lost his father and now is under the care of his grandmother. But he has so many special things about him. A good heart. He began to spend more time with this gentleman, Jim Bradford and his wife. They took him out on outings and to church and spending so much time. He has this thing called highly superior autobiographical memory. And he has the ability to remember every event, including time and place that's occurred to him since he was four years old. Huh. I mean, could you imagine? Most people would probably say, what could this child do with the handicaps that he has? And here he has this, I've never heard of it, highly superior autobiographical memory. Oh. It's his wonderful ability to remember everything that makes him so special. He imparts this to others that everyone is a gift, and even those with disabilities can teach people a valuable lesson about life and about faith. How inspiring is that? Yeah. It's wonderful. He survived. His mother didn't survive, but he survived that car accident. She passed, and he survived. I mean, wow. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, it's just a reminder that uh, how blessed we all, we all are. God leaves people like that in our midst. They're sort of icons in a way. Uh, icons of gratitude that yes. uh, if they can be grateful, well, certainly I can be as well without the uh, burdens and crosses that this fellow has. Mm-hmm. So that is a, a, indeed a very inspiring story, and especially that the uh, other couple would take him under their wing. And what a wonderful outreach right. that was. So also uh, other story that I saw in the National Catholic Register about Thanksgiving history. And there was some stuff about this that I didn't even know. I guess I have to get up on my history. I know about the pilgrims, but this talks a little bit about the friendly Native American named Squanto who taught the starving pilgrims how to plant corn. But it talks a little bit about his background. So he was a friend of the pilgrims and he was a Catholic. Um, A lot of people didn't know that. I didn't know that either. Um, He had lived in London for several years and he spoke English. Um, And they also mentioned in the article that they would have been equally astonished to learn that he was a Catholic, though he would have been wise to be discreet about this among the Puritans. But um, yeah, up to that point, his life point had prepared him for his encounter with the pilgrims. As life would have it for him, he did... His first encounter was with the English in 1614 after Captain John Smith brought a British expedition to Maine. And then he actually had to go back. Um, it was sold as a slave I and mean, ended up in Ma- Malaga, Spain. Spain was Catholic. They had Pope Paul III in 1537 had issued a, a papal bull that forbade the enslavement of the indigenous peoples of the Americas. So if he hadn't gone back there... Um, it would be, he probably wouldn't have had his freedom. And he was, the quote is, the said Indians and all other people who later may be discovered by Christians are by no means deprived of their liberty or the possession of their property, even though 
they be outside the faith of Jesus Christ. And that was the Pope, Pope Paul the third, uh, the third in 1537. Um, I love to get this story out there. Yeah. Because there's so much negative revisionism going on, right. you know, about the Catholic Church's relation right. with indigenous peoples. Mm-hmm. And the fact that Squanto, you know, would uh, become Catholic. And that uh, that decree of Paul III, I have read about that before, mm-hmm. forbidding of slavery and the slave, and the slave trade, is uh, it certainly is to the credit of the Church and is in our favor. And what the, certainly what the critics oftentimes do not uh, talk about that kind of stuff. Right, right. And, it, you know, just talking about the clergy and how they recognize the inherent human dignity and the, that there were a couple of friars there in Spain that purchased Guano to save him and diligently taught him the Catholic faith. So, as you said, there's a lot of stories about this that don't normally uh, get out. We, we hear the normal story about the pilgrims, but... Uh, and as you said, the indigenous people, um, you know, things that are going on, a lot of conflict right now. Um, but he was um, no stranger to hardship, and he did teach the pilgrims how to plant corn and how to fish. And he also, because he spoke English, he saved um, their lives in another way. He served as an emissary and an interpreter. Um, and that's pretty amazing for one gentleman. <laughs> that is that is fantastic. Such an inspiring story. Yeah. And his last words, I like this, this is, at least according to William Bradford, who was governor of the Plymouth Colony, were to pray for him, quote-unquote, that he might go to the Englishman's God in heaven. Wow. Yeah. How about that? Yeah. So we're... So when we say thanksgiving and gratitude for blessings, we have to be grateful for Squanto and the things that we didn't know about him, um, because yeah, he definitely thank had you, some things. for all that That's you right. did. That's right. Might be a, a cause for beatification and canonization there. I don't know. Maybe. Where of any Maybe. such program being initiated, but who knows? Maybe someday. Yeah, yeah. Um, also about Thanksgiving, I'm just so full of Thanksgiving, I found all these really good articles, I like to share them. Uh, National Catholic Register, and this is something that, um, the after the Dobbs decision, uh, the title of this was the Thanksgiving for the Brave Love of Adoption. And I think this is an interesting uh, spin on it. It was about this family um, that had been waiting for uh, a child. Um, it was their fourth child, and they had ado- three adopted sons. Um, and the birth mother had chosen the, uh, this woman and her husband to be the parents of the child, of the, her little boy, was born uh, three weeks later after they had heard that there was going to be a fourth, their fourth child was going to be adopted. Um, so they were very thankful, and they were, you know, here was a case of where this mother could have aborted her child, but didn't, because it says it wasn't long before um Something else that nearly is incredible, the Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade in the Dobbs case, and exactly three months after the birth of the new baby boy that we're talking about that they adopted um, was the wondrously made fruit of an unplanned and undesired pregnancy. So this woman, the birth mother, chose pro-life, chose life, and so this family has now fourth adopted child. And, um, you know, in light of the 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 Dobbs case and what had happened there and the overturning of Roe v. Wade. So this is increasing now abilities for people if, you know, abortion is banned in the state to go ahead, have the child and lead to fewer abortions, more babies to be born, and thus increase adoptions for couples that want to adopt children. So it's a nice way to look at that. I'm thinking of State House Representative Terry Benninghoff, 
who is from our area, mm-hmm. and not Catholic, but he was adopted. And he's come to our pro-life rallies in, in Lewistown, here in my, in my parish. Mm-hmm. And he has spoken about his gratitude for being adopted for his, his birth mother, for you know giving him life, and for his uh, adopted mother for uh, taking him into the family. And he speaks as a very inspiring message on that. It is just amazing. So yes, adoption is is optimal, and it is to be certainly encourages an alternative to abortion, no doubt about it. Yeah, and even she had said, um, I'm trying to think of what her, her name is, uh, the mother, but she said, as I hold my youngest baby in my arms this November, which is, I didn't know this either, National Adoption Month, I'm grateful for the choices his birth mother made that led him to become part of our family. I'm thankful for the radical hospitality she showed by carrying him for nine months and doing all she could to keep him healthy and safe. I'm thankful for the hours she spent poring over the profiles of waiting families and discerning which one she wanted her son to join, and I'm especially thankful she chose us. So it's a wonderful a, win-win. Great. Exactly. Yep, yep. So we can encourage adoption in this, this, this post-Roe world. So um, staying on that, uh, also pro-life, I do have some sad news here uh, from LifeSite News. Gonzaga University cancels a pro-life Catholic from speaking on campus. So here we are. It's at the campus ministry of another Jesuit university. Um, they did, at the time of this printing, they refused to say why pro-life Catholic Liz Wheeler was barred from speaking on campus, but... Um, they have a student, the director of campus ministry at Gonzaga University in Spokane, Washington, um, uh, is refusing to clarify why he barred a pro-life Catholic activist from speaking to a student organization. And the student organization was called Zags for Life. Um, they've attempted at this time, this was from uh, right before Thanksgiving, uh, they had attempted to contact Luke Lavin, who works in the Gonzaga's Office of Mission and Ministry, regarding this decision, but they hadn't heard anything back. Um, and so it's, you know, another s- sad to think that another Jesuit university has succumbed to not allowing pro-life teaching in the school. And this is from the Office of Mission and Ministry. So I don't know where that's going to go. The decision has been made now. We'll have to see what what happens with that. But that's kind of sad. It says, there's a quote here. It says, in my view, the Office of Mission and Ministry, this is from the article, is simply no longer concerned with the salvation of souls. And this university has lost the understanding of what it means to be Catholic. And this was the Grant Habersetzer. He was a student who served on the board of this Zags for Life group. Transparency is so important in these kind of instances, they should give the reasons why yeah. the speaker was canceled. Yeah. I mean, apparently it was, it was scheduled, then they did a reversal on it, right. and this is reprehensible because it does negatively impact the Catholic identity of the, of the Catholic University, and we are almost, by definition, you know, pro-life. No doubt about it. As Catholics and the universities should respect that. Well, we're finished with our first half of the show, so please stay with us. We'll be right back. You're listening to Holy Family Radio, 720 WHYF. We'll be right back. Please stay with us.
Welcome back to In the News Show for our second half. I wanted to bring up something that I saw in the National Catholic Register to engage Father Weary. He has some messages from Bishop Georg Botzig about some things that are going on in Germany. Yes, head of the bishop's conference, George Botzig, says that he's not going to accept Vatican O on women priests. Very unsettling. This comes out of the synodality uh, of the German church, and apparently they are going to keep pushing this ordination and equal access to uh, the sacraments and, of course, the dignity of women. Misunderstanding, uh, of course, these are bishops and theologians, and you should understand that it's a, it pertains to holy orders, the sacrament pertains to the male of, of the species. It's true that the Protestant churches, you know, have, have women clergy, just about all of them, uh, but the Orthodox churches, as Greek Orthodox, Russian Orthodox, Serbian Orthodox, and the Catholic Churches have always said that uh, Holy Orders is for men. And the Twelve Apostles, of course, were uh, men, the, the chief leaders of the Church, handpicked by Christ. And um, so uh, this is... I don't know where this is going to go either, but our position of the Catholic Church is that it would be invalid. I mean, a woman's uh, the ordination of a woman would be would be invalid uh, because it would be not not the correct, if I may put it this way, with all respect to everybody, it's not the correct material. The male, it, it pertains to maleness. It would be like uh, consecrating the Eucharist with Coca-Cola and Danish or something like that. Right. It does it is for um, you know men men only? I know that the modern mind has a hard time with that. It seems prejudicial, biased, but this defiance is so disturbing. They would insist on pushing this agenda. You know, Cardinal Luis Ladaria, prefect of the Dicasteries of the Dacia, addressed the question of female priests during the recent ad limina visit of the German bishops. And he reiterated the Church had already definitively spoken on the matter, which it had. And St. John Paul II and Ordinatio Sacerdotalis had said uh, the Church has no authority whatsoever to ordain women priests. That was in that uh, encyclical of St. John Paul II. So uh, this is uh, irreversible. The, the, the chief church's teaching on this, it is it is dogmatic. So I think the Vatican really has its hands full with the German church. The Synod, of course, is a, a, pro- a program that's going on right now worldwide mm-hmm. that is going to culminate in a uh, large session in Rome in 2024, I think it is now. They put it back a year. Sort of like a general church council, in a way, an attempt to modernize church, but the German church is just running down field with this. And, and even uh, Pope Francis has, has expressed disturbance um, about uh, what they're doing and, and how they're proceeding. So we have to pray that uh, they do you know, back off on this and are certainly obedient to the Pope and the Curia. Did they say anything in in the information that you heard, Father, about the, you know another reason why they might be doing this other than equality for women? Would it be because they just don't have enough priests and so they're looking to other ways to ordain priests? they say anything about that? They are uh, speaking of the importance of women sort of like coming coming to the table in all capacities. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, they are uh, not really talking about the number of vocations mm-hmm. or any, anything of that nature, uh, but it's the equality for women and the, the fear that we're going to be passe, the is going to be passe, and it's going to be just passed over by the world uh, with this apparently dodgy of heels in this hand, lockdown uh, insistence on, on this uh, men only. But it is it is revelation. It would be pertained to divine revelation that um, only men are to be admitted to holy orders. So anything to the contrary would be schismatic and heretical. Right, right. And so I, I just hope they back they back off of this. They have already said, the uh, German bishops have already said they, they do not want schism. They, they don't want to do that. They want to stay with the, with the one church. But um, she whiz, they have to also exercise the virtue of obedience in, in these areas. Right. And the other thing that came out from, also from Bishop uh, George or Georg Botzig, 
I want to bookend off of what you said is that the in that same uh, ad limina visit in Rome, uh, Germany's bishops have also loosened ecclesiastical labor laws so that all employees of the Catholic Church in Germany will no longer be threatened with dismissal if they are divorced and remarried or living in a same-sex relationship. So it sounds like those restrictions are being relaxed as well. But in the article that I'm reading from the National Catholic Register, it does mention that um, there have been some concerns about getting uh, people to work those jobs. And so they feel that relaxing the standards would enable to be open to more people that would, you know, that they need to fill the churches in the in the offices and that kind of thing. So that's why I was asking you that question about the other, um, you know, concern with Botzig. But um, they're saying that it adds diversity in church institutions is an enrichment and all employees can be representatives of God's unconditional love and thus of a church that serves the people regardless of their specific tasks, origin, religion, age, disability, gender, sexual identity, and their way of life. And that it should bring a positive attitude and openness toward the message of the gospel. Um, but it did say that, um, you know, they were having some issues getting people uh, to work in the, the churches. So, you know, again, another concern of, a, you know, re- something that's being relaxed. I mean, if you have someone that's working in a church, you, you know, just like Catholic schools, you want them to abide by the Catholic principles. And that's what they're, you know, to teach and to uh, model again, uh, you know, in front of people. So uh, I don't know. This is this is scary for the for the German church. Customarily, yes, you're right. Well, we have uh, insisted the Catholic employees anyway of yeah. Catholic institutions, schools, and uh, offices uh, be you know adhere the, the Catholics adhere to the church teachings on morality and any public stance to the contrary. You know, ordinarily would preclude that employee or that teacher from holding the, the, the position. And there have been lawsuits about that here in the United States too, off and on, uh, openly. You know, same-sex attraction teachers mm-hmm. uh, who have come out, so to speak, of the closet uh, on Facebook or social media. You know, there have been dismissals and firings and lawsuits. I think the courts generally have upheld the church on those on those things again because of our Catholic identity and religious freedom. Where we have a right to to form our institutions according to our beliefs and not be forced to hire people that are are going to contradict our beliefs publicly. Right. So the uh, teaching of the church has always been divided under the uh, doctrinal and the disciplinary. And maybe it's a simplistic to say, but, you know, the doctrinal cannot change, is, has been the usual formula, whereas the disciplinary can. So the hiring of people, you know, of same-sex attraction, or even, I guess even active same-sex attraction relationships, and the divorced and remarried, um, hire, allowing them to hold jobs would come under the discipline of, of the church. Uh, but a lot of times the disciplines are very close to the doctrinal. And if you're loose on the on the disciplinary, then you're going to be then you're going to denigrate the doctrinal. I think so. Mm-hmm. Um, this might be okay as long as they make clear the, the, the teachings of the church. At the same time, those people, the, the, these, those Catholics, you know, should not be receiving communion uh, if they're you know in uh, relationships outside of marriage uh, or, or otherwise you know violating the teachings of the church. But the German church, of course, is is slacking up on that too, giving uh, communion to the divorced and remarried without previous annulment, for instance. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. as I said, the Pope has, ex- even Pope Francis has expressed some concerns, and I hope he continues pressing for their adherence to a church teaching and church discipline, I-, I just hope. Yeah, yeah. And and staying over there on the other side of the Atlantic, um, I have another uh, article from LifeSite News that the- says the official news site of the Catholic Church in Switzerland this time promotes a pro-abortion movie, which is, uh, the movie is called 
called Call Jane. And um, it's a story about a woman in the 1960s. She was a, a housewife in the United States, and she was carrying her second child when she was told that her pregnancy was potentially, potentially life-threatening. Um, and I'm reading this from the article. After her request for an abortion is denied by the hospital, she calls a network of women operating under the pseudonym, quote-unquote, Jane, we've heard this before, uh, who perform illegal abortions. After the mother aborts her child, she becomes part of the network and starts assisting with the illegal killings. Um, and so they're spinning this, that this film is meant to depict abortion as something helpful and even life-saving for women. That's really scary. Oh, that is that is so sad. In Switzerland, yes. Yep. Well, they're, they're giving into the ways of the world. This certainly is. I want my, my major news page that I, is a secular news page, very pro-abortion. Mm-hmm. And they are, they're coming out with all kinds of worst-case scenarios for uh, women that supposedly uh, need abortion. Um, and it sounds like Switzerland has given into that perspective, that secular perspective. Um, and uh, we can't do that. We have to stand strong in favor of life. Do all we can, which I think we're doing much, the pro-life movement for uh, women who are compromised and uh, pregnant out of wedlock and are going to be single, single mothers, but we still have to uh, stand fast for life in, in all circumstances. And I will pray definitely for that Switzerland situation and hope uh, once again there is a conversion to life on their part. Yeah, and, and they also states in the article, um, this is just a reiteration of something that people might not know, according you know, to the Catechism of the Catholic Church, um, CCC 2271, states the following regarding abortion. You know, the, since the first century, the Church has affirmed the moral evil of every procured abortion. The teaching has not changed and remains unchangeable. Direct abortion, that is to say abortion, willed either as an end or a means is gravely contrary to the moral law. And then it further explains that anyone that is in formal cooperation in abortion warrants the penalty of excommunication. Certainly. Not sure how much people are aware of that. So I've also heard that um, it's a good idea to give the catechism of the Catholic Church as a gift for Christmas. So I'll just put that plug in real quick. But this is I why is these things idea. that you don't always know, um, that formal cooperation uh, is a grave offense. So, um, you know, that's something that we're going to have to prey on with those, especially with those two issues going on, on over in Europe, which we know has been challenged. The church has been challenged over there. So um, with just about a minute to go, um, I just wanted to mention that that this has been the month of the Holy Souls in Purgatory. And just as a reminder to always pray for the Holy Souls, um, if you're not already doing so, because um, something I learned is that if we pray for them and we can uh, pop them out of Purgatory, as I like to say, and into heaven, and they can also pray for us. And uh, so imagine having all the communion saints and all the Holy Souls uh, when we're all praying for each other. So um, just, you know, that is a reminder. Anything, um, we have a few, about 30 seconds to go, Father, anything you want to leave us with? Uh, well, just the uh, Holy Souls in Purgatory. We are the Church militant in this on this earth, slugging it out, so to speak, against the world, the flesh, and the devil. Church triumphant is the, are those who have made it, and they have arrived, and they are in, in, in heaven, and then the Holy Souls in Purgatory, the Church suffering. And we are all part of the Church, the mystical body of Christ, all helping one another, the graces circulating uh, for uh, for our benefit, all of us praying for one another. Amen. And so while we're praying, if you could leave us with a prayer, please. Lord God, Heavenly Father, keep us in your love as we come up to the season of Christmas through Advent. May we rejoice in the incarnation. May we incarnate your Son into our lives by our faith, hope, and love. And may Almighty God bless you all. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.